0: Welcome back to Division 1 Rejects. I'm your host, Kobe Manzo, joining you here on this uh, November night. It's going to be a fun episode. we got a lot of great stuff to talk about because, guess what, the playoffs are almost here. we got one more week of the regular season, and then we earned into some very, very meaningful football And that's going to be the gist of tonight after our two guests that join us here. We've got Jonas Bennett from Missouri Western. We've also got Nico Flatty from Grove City College, the D3 level. A great spread. Two schools that I do not believe have ever been featured with guests, at least on the podcast. So uh, some great stuff there coming from the President's Athletic Conference and the MIAA, respectively. Uh, D2 and D3, the playoff picture. Who's in? Who's out? We're going to break it down. I will give you all you need to know on the D2 side of things. Jimmy Martin joins me later. Talk D3 playoff picture. And then, of course, Matt Schwarzler towards the end of the night, the NAIA side of things. He will give us the most recent up-to-date on the other division. We've got Week 10 recaps. That sounded like one word altogether. We've got Week 10 recaps. That was better. From all three of those levels, we're going to talk about some conference champions, who has clinched automatic bids into the Division three playoffs, if you know anything about the D2 playoff system, you know that doesn't work that way. We've got regional rankings and super regions. We'll break that down as well. We had the, uh, excuse me, the final super region ranking before the actual playoff ones are announced. That has been posted uh, earlier today by the NCAs. We'll check that out. But overall, you can watch this episode on YouTube if you are watching. Don't forget about the timestamps. Bottom of the screen, you can fast forward to any part of the conversation today, whatever you want to listen to. Same thing goes for Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. The timestamps will be listed in the description. Fast forward to any part of it. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. The love you guys have been showing on the social media has been incredible. Instagram in particular. uh, I just took a peek at like, dude, we've gotten like 400 followers in the last three days. Like, thank you guys so much. Don't worry. We are going to be continuing to give back to you guys. We'll be announcing uh, the t-shirt winners of our latest uh, giveaway as soon as this episode is coming out. So be excited for that one. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a, a great time to be a part of this podcast, but, before we get into any of that, let's go with our weekly awards, the D1 Rejects Weekly Awards. Uh, we're going to start with our Game of the Week selections for Week 10 here. And if we take a look at these, the one you will realize, that's why we're having the, the guys on uh, tonight, at least the one from Missouri Western. This game was incredible. I'm going to pause it. I want to play the audio on this and set the scene a little bit for you. Pittsburgh State, the number two team in the country, undefeated, obviously undefeated in the MIAA. Missouri Western, they play sports. Spoiler, excuse me. They play spoiler. 31-30, to 30. Pitt State's got one more chance to make this happen. Listen to the call on This is Incredible. Hit 30, fourth and 13, Gorillas
1: at the Griffin 33. Pennington in the gun, two receivers each way. Back to throw, gets hit, the ball's free. Western recovered, Western recovered. DeCorey Streeter, the strip sack, and his buddy, That's the awesome. six-year Griffin, the three-time
2: miaa i a senior, C.J.
0: That, like, that's awesome. The energy in that call, we talked with Jonas later about this, that moment, that entire game uh, was just fun to watch and be a part of. And this final moment kind of summarized it. By the way, the black uniforms for the Griffins there, some of the cleanest in Division II, those are incredibly clean. With the yellow cleats as well, Ooh. Missouri Western pulls off a huge win there. They're seeing themselves uh, almost cemented into the regional rankings. Division three side of things. Another Wyatt contest. Uh, there were great picks at all levels. Obviously, there could have been uh, different suggestions. Uh, but... We chose this one because of the playoff implications right here in this one. You got Lacrosse taking a close win, a nail biter win over River Falls. River Falls going for a field goal very late at the end of this one, and they come through and block it to seal the win with only like four seconds to go. Lacrosse has just been playing out of their minds. This win seals and clinches at least a share of the Wyatt Championship in a home playoff game. While River Falls, now you're looking at a team that. It's probably going to be one of the first ones out of the playoffs. We'll talk more about that with Jimmy later. A team that's been in the call of resistance bowl the last two years. Not where they wanted to end up at the end of this one. Still a fantastic football game. NAI side of things. Dort takes down Morningside. Morningside had won who knows how many G Pack conference games in a row. I believe it was up in the 70s before this matchup. Dort comes in and knocks them right off. 28-24, the defenders take down the Mustangs. The Mustangs' only other loss this year was uh, to number one Northwestern College. They were actually featured uh, on the wrong side of a couple game of the week selections. But shout out to Dort for making those big time plays. They are a force to be reckoned with over there in Iowa. Otherwise, though... Our Player of the Week awards did not disappoint either. We've got some ridiculous stat lines for you. We'll start off with Braden Long from Slippery Rock. They are poised right now as the number one seed in their super region. He is a big part of that. You can see that. 23 for 27, 400 yards and five tuds for the kid. He's thrown to a couple really talented wide receivers, one of them being Kyle Sheets. We talked about a lot on this particular program. Otherwise, God... That is a stat line. Micah Kretzinger, with eight tackles, a TFL, a forced fumble. He had not one, not two, not three, but four interceptions. One of them returned for a touchdown. There were a lot of great submissions for uh, players of the week. I'm sorry, nobody is topping that stat line. That is ridiculously tough to do. As a linebacker, by the way, as a linebacker, four interceptions for the kid from Saginaw. Then we've got our D1R athlete Sean Stevens making some big plays in Ferris's win over Davenport that we'll talk a lot about later. He had a kick return that he took to the house for 100 yards. He cribbed it. He had two interceptions as well. One of those was a pick six. Um, those are just kind of uh, in addition to his big-time kick return that came at a crucial point in the game for Ferris over their top 15 game versus Davenport. On the D3 side of things, how about Destin Chance? He's already won the award once this year. Again, when you have a stat line like this, we simply cannot refuse him. From Illinois College, 31 for 35. 532 yards and eight tuds. Incredibly efficient. I don't know what that average is. It's insane. He also had seven carries for almost 70 more yards. Like, that stat line is insane. Um, I don't even think he got conference player of the week, though, so I don't know who the hell won that award. We'll take him on that stat, stat line, excuse me, any day of the week, any week of the year. Finally, though, Jerry Martino. I shouldn't say finally. D3 defensive player of the week. He put up a hell of a stat line as well from Framingham State. Ten tackles, five of them were solo. He had a TFL. And then the big play of the day, the interception he took back to the house for 99 yards, uh, was a really great clip. It's on his socials, I know, so be sure to check that out. For a big fella, guy who plays up on the edge of the defensive line, uh, a little bit in the linebacker core kind of that outside, for him to make that play and hustle and bustle 99 yards to get the tud, that was big time. Special teams-wise, Zach Poff, a little Alma, shout out, one of the Scots. He had two kick returns. One of them, he took 93 yards to the house. Also added, you can see some nice uh, yardage on the offensive side of things. Finally, in the NAIA scene, Terrell Hookfin. How about this stat line? Listed as a wide receiver on the Texas College website, Guess what? He was dealing. If he was a wide receiver, these numbers are even more ridiculous. 19 for 32 at 336 and five tuds. He also got it down on the ground. You can see those stats as well. Defensively, it was Darian Lewis from Bethel. Had so many stats, I had to shrink them down to fit them on the graphic. What the hell? That's impressive. And finally, Jonathan Harris from Taylor. Uh, they ended up, I do believe they lost their game to Lawrence Tech. That, he was not the reason. You can see all the things that he did uh, in the special teams game for them moving forward with that. But before we get into the D2, D3, and NAI talk to come, let's get over to our first guest conversation with the man from the Griffins. (laughs) Joining the show first tonight, this man was part of the biggest upset in D2 football this weekend, probably one of the biggest, I would assume, on the entire year, wide receiver from Missouri Western, dog, it's Jonas Bennett. What's up, dude? How are you?
3: Hey, Kobe, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Of course, dude. You uh you're one of the first guys
0: in a while to rival my setup here. I appreciate that. <laughs> my bad, my bad. <laughs> no, 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 I love it. I love it. And the chair is color coordinated too. Is that intentional?
3: Oh yeah, yeah. So when I first got to school, I was like, man, gotta get a gaming chair that goes with the with the school colors and stuff. That is clutch. People don't usually get to see what I'm what I'm sitting in here.
0: This is like a Wayfair, forty dollar joint. Like I don't know. <laughs> It's fantastic. You got to get on
3: Facebook Marketplace. My ass has a
0: very good imprint on this thing. I've spent a lot of hours in it. But um, we're not here to talk (laughs) about gaming chairs. We're here to talk about some ball, man. 31-30, to that last play was fucking electric, the strip sack. Uh, Does that just encapsulate the entire night for you guys?
3: I mean, yeah, basically. I mean, our our defensive line tears it up every week. But, I mean, you saw that video. Dakari Streeter and uh, CJ They, I mean, they tear it up.
0: That's huge, dude. And going through – This year, I mean, Pitt State, obviously the top dog heading into this year. And you think, okay, Northwest, always a staple in that conference. And then we see this Central Missouri team that comes out of, I wouldn't say comes out of nowhere. They've been a solid squad, but they come out and their offense is one of the best, if not the best in the country, the way uh, Zach Zabrowski and that offense has been playing. Does it feel like you guys maybe have been, for lack of a better term, flying under the radar for a certain stretch?
3: I mean, uh, definitely in the beginning, I mean, preseason rankings, we were ranked, yep. I believe, eighth out of 10 or 11, 11, eighth out of 11. So, I mean, you know, that really, that really stuck us. And then we came out, played UCM really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we shot ourselves in, a, in the foot quite a few times. Um, so, I mean, yeah, we really have been flying on the radar. I mean, you know, Pitt State, Northwest, they're always the ones that are getting the attention. Now I think us and UCM are coming up and being like, hey, you know, we're here to play too.
0: No, absolutely, dude. And talking about UCM a little bit, they're not the only team in the conference that knows how to uh, score the rock, if you will, contrary to popular belief. I didn't realize you guys are averaging almost 40 a game. That is a ridiculous number. What's the secret? What's working well for you guys right
3: now? Uh, I believe it's our head coach that came in. Before he, uh, when he was here in 2012, last time we won the MIAA championship, He was averaging like thirty-five or thirty-eight points a game. So I mean, he's just an offensive genius. You know, knows how to break apart defenses. So I would, I would put that on him.
0: But dude, and that's like. For me, this win, it's a pretty obvious one, but that's a statement, program-defining win. When you talk about the landscape of the conference, then also nationally, and now you're at a part of the year, too, where these regional rankings are being released every week, and you guys uh, have been featured in those, especially right now, very much uh, more prominently so. But to pick up this caliber of win this late in the season, it has to feel like all the momentum is, uh, is with the Griffins right now, dude
3: this is the perfect time to be picking up momentum, getting close to the playoff time. So definitely can't complain about that. No, dude. I mean,
0: that's massive. Um, But as far as some of the the game notes go for me, I felt like these ones stuck out. And we talked about the defensive line. The big one at the end was obviously the marquee moment. But four sacks on the day, they're just getting back there and getting pressure on a Pittsburgh State offensive line that has had a ton of success uh, protecting the passer this year.
3: Yeah, I mean, they're very disciplined. Uh, their offensive line is. And I mean, we I, I truly do believe that we probably have one of the best defensive lines in Division two. So, and, you know, our scheme, our our DC, he's great, too. Uh, our D line coach, Coach Gallo. I mean, he is I mean, they're they're amazing coaches. So, I mean, the way they set everything up and then the athletes that they put in the position, I mean, they, they, they tear it up. <laughs>
0: Hell yeah, dude. They're tearing all kinds of shit up. Now, um, not only defensively, offensively as well. I know Pitt State is a team in that conference. They're going to come in and try and control the line of scrimmage. I feel like they live and die in the trenches if you're a part of the guerrilla squad over there. And a great indicator for you guys is that you won the time of possession battle. Talk about that. Did that feel like sometimes there's games where you win it and it feels like uh, you were on the sideline for most of it. How, what was the dynamic of that uh, feel-wise on the sideline?
3: Man, I mean, it it was just so, like, back and forth, too. I mean, I didn't even – honestly, it was still pretty close, but I know that um, in their past games, they've been the one to control the ball. So, you know, when we were on offense and we had the ball, I mean, uh, you know, that we showed them that we were in control at this point. We didn't care that they were ranked second in the country, undefeated, Mm -hmm. whatever. Like, you know, we just went out there and, I mean, played ball.
0: No, that's huge, man. And uh, talking about your team coming into – maybe the spotlight a little more coming into these bigger games with that confidence, that mindset. I think you're a great example of a guy who's come up and now is starting to fill these very big shoes at your position being the, uh, can I say the wide receiver one for you guys and being a guy that uh, when the time comes, they want to get the ball in your hands. How have you grown into that this year and your position and a guy who's been a part of this program for, for multiple years?
3: Uh, it's, it's really different this year because the past four year I'm in my fifth year. So yeah. past four years, I've been a running back for the last coaching staff. I and then, saw that. Okay. Yeah. I
0: saw like all the carries and stats when I was doing a little research and I was going to ask about that.
3: Yeah. So I was a running back, new coaching staff comes in, uh, our GAs at the time they stayed and they were just like, Hey, we got this guy. I think he should be a receiver instead of running back. Okay. Head coach finally made the switch and uh, I did a little bit of it in the spring. And then fall came around, fall camp, and they really liked what they were seeing and then kind of just took off from there. That was it. And I also, definitely spring and expect- then right into
0: camp and you were rolling. Yeah. Were you like, I mean, I'd have expect- to imagine you were like an out of the backfield back to begin with though. Yeah. Uh
3: Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. That's a, Hey, but if they, if they saw it in you immediately, were they in your ear ever? Like, Hey man, like maybe you give this wide receiver shit a shot. Like we need you on the outside. Or that just came about when the new staff came in.
3: Well, I mean, okay. So I guess I should wind it, like rewind it back a little bit more. Okay. So in high school, I was like more of a receiver, but I was kind of a hybrid. Gotcha. So I went to a camp a uh, scout saw me, and then the the running back coach at Missouri Western at the time was like, hey, I know you're mostly a receiver. I'd love for you to play running back here. Oh, okay. So then after I committed, I was like, all right, let's do the running back thing.
0: So we're getting back to the roots right now is what's happening.
3: Yeah, basically. Okay. I
0: like that. What do you, What have you enjoyed more? I mean, obviously, you guys are having a hell of a year right now, so this might be a layup.
3: I mean, just the atmosphere and like, uh, yeah, uh, just the atmosphere of the whole Missouri Western That's fair. That's fair. Yeah.
0: Like I said, that was probably it. But um, wide receiver or running back, I kind of met. Like, which one have you? Oh, okay, okay, My bad. My bad. Um,
3: I mean, in this offense, we're on the run and shoot. So, yeah, uh, I would say receiver right now. Yeah. yeah. And then plus looking at our running backs, I mean, we're leading the MIAA in rushing. So, hello. I mean, I I don't think I'm, you know, taking anything away from them. I mean, we have three really good running backs that they'll be all right. huh? they're, They're destroying defenses. That's awesome, man, and I think something when you look at conferences,
0: I know we talk about the GLIAC a lot on this one because of our, our relationship with that, but there's obviously these these inner tiers of conferences, right, and you've got these guys that usually dominate in the GLIAC, it's the Grand Valley and the fairest states of the world, and then you have a Davenport, like these last couple of years, who's been trying to maybe edge their way into that upper echelon of team, and we've talked about a little bit of that tiering in your conference, and it felt like... Last year to now, you guys have maybe made a jump, and now the challenge is obviously sticking around. I don't want to get – I get to be talking big picture here. You guys obviously live in the moment one week at a time. But when you look at last year and some of the losses um, that came at the hands of teams like Nebraska Kearney, and you talk about uh, Washburn, who was receiving votes at the time, Emporia State, all really respectable squads, you've now been able to make the jump from that point to here. Besides coaching, what stands out from you and how have you been able to – take that big step and have the results show up on Saturdays?
3: I mean, at, at the end of the day, we just take one game at a time. We don't care, you know, um, their history, who they have beat, who they haven't beat. I mean, we just, we just go out and try to win every week. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we, you know, we obviously know we're in the talk for playoffs, but right now, I mean, we just got to go get Southern and not give them a reason to keep us out.
0: Great coach answer. That's a great question.
3: That's good <laughs>
0: shit. I love it. I love it. But talked earlier about controlling your destiny. That has to be a great feeling. We've talked with a lot of guys in the last couple of weeks about that, where you're going into a point now, especially with the statement win over the gorillas, where you win and you know exactly what your future holds and everything is in front of you. That has to be a pretty comforting feeling. It's not like you're sitting here waiting for the dominoes or the pieces to fall a certain way and waiting for this miracle to hear your name on uh, selection Sunday or whatever it is. Talk about that and being able to control your destiny and and just see everything that's right in front of you.
3: I mean, it's it, it's really awesome because I mean, I I don't even know when the last time Missouri Western was in the playoffs, so uh, it's it's really cool and uh, nobody expected it um, for us to be this good, especially with a first year coach. So mm-hmm. I mean, we're just we're just riding it. Hell yeah!
0: Hell yeah! Three interceptions for the Griffins. D stand up, dude. Saturday, that's ridiculous. I forgot to mention that. I had that in my little game notes piece. Three picks.
3: Yeah, our our secondary is or uh, no 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 three turnovers. Right? Was it not
0: three picks? Did I read that wrong.
3: No, no, we had one pick and then uh, two fumble recoveries. Fumble
0: recoveries. Three turnovers. Sorry, not picks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Still, that is ridiculous momentum. Like sudden change uh it's all get out your offense has just got to feed off that
3: oh yeah no doubt I mean it was their second drive and we made them fumble inside I think the 10 or 15 and then okay. that you know that's where we got our first points and then yeah. uh the interception was I mean it was right off of fourth that or yeah I think we punted or something I think and then uh our DB Sammy Taylor made a jumping interception and the last one was the strip sack by Dakari yeah, yeah. Which I think everyone in the nation saw that one.
0: Yeah, they better have you. If they haven't, they need to look at it because that was the call was awesome, by the way. Shout out to your I don't know if it was the radio or the broadcast guy, but the call was electric. I think it was on the broadcast. Um, he did a great job of kind of encapsulating the moment right there.
3: That's Tommy Rezac. I mean, he is oh, yeah. honestly, I'm hands down. He is the best announcer in Division two, no doubt.
0: Shout out Tommy, man. I loved it. It got me excited watching that. Um, that was, that was pretty, uh, pretty sweet to see. As far as the sudden change goes, I remember in high school, we had our DC, uh, Brad Thomas, an awesome dude. He would be, we go in through practice, you know, sometimes you get those practices, you just get lulls, you know what I mean? Everyone kind of gets, especially late in the year, and he'd come running onto the field. Sudden change, sudden change, and one <laughs> and 1-D lines up, and you, you, know, you go after it like that. You guys have got anything like that over there with uh, the Griffins or no? uh i
3: no, not not that i see you need it
0: let me get in. Co- i'm let usually I, I know know. i'm
3: usually locked in i'm not seeing what else is going on i mean i think the whole team gets really excited when something goes goes right yeah. if anything our coaches are holding the whole you know team back okay making sure we don't do anything crazy
0: that's good that's good no we, we can we can uh we can roll with that Um, but we talked about all of it leading up to this last week for you guys the playoffs still very much uh in front of you but Regular season, not over yet. Talk about what you got to do to get it done against uh, Southern this weekend.
3: I mean, we just got to go into it and, uh, you know, not not be on our high of beating Pitt State, but going into this game, uh, knowing that we have to beat them so we don't give, you know, whoever picks, you know, the people for the playoffs, like, oh, well, you know, they beat Pitt State, may Mm -hmm. have been a fluke because they lost to Southern. We got to go in, same mentality, and beat them.
0: Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. I think that's all I got for I feel like we blew through all the stuff that I had for you. But um, I'm excited. I'm excited to follow along. I did not know you were picked 8 out of, what, 10 or 11, was it? Yeah, 11. That's absurd, Uh, considering right now, looking back on that. um, uh, And now, I mean, we don't really get to sit back and look back. Now you'll get to in a couple weeks and kind of reminisce on that. But at that point, when those preseason rankings came out, was there any part of your brain that was like, we could turn around and make these guys look silly for that.
3: No, I mean, I, I definitely thought that. I, it, it was honestly very insulting that. Okay. You know, they said that we were eighth when, I mean, we have obviously now we have such really good athletes. I mean, we had a whole bunch of people return from okay. last year, so. Which I mean, is common yeah, with a
0: with a new staff coming in. Was it entire wipe staff wise?
3: Yeah, I think there was three or four GAs that uh, stayed. One coach, our, our running back coach, Coach St. Louis, he he knew the coaching staff that just came in, so okay. they kept him on.
0: So even then, though, with almost an entire sweep of that, to get a lot of guys – like in your situation where you're a fifth year to come back and embrace that because typically people know what comes with a new coach and it it's not success, typically – Glad you guys are breaking that narrative a little bit, but how was it getting the buy-in from all those guys to come back and really buy into potentially a whole new culture and scheme?
3: Uh, during the process of it, you know, we didn't really know what to expect, you know, but, and there was a lot of people that really weren't happy with the, um, with the whole coaching change, but okay. we brought the new coach in, he talked to us and he was like, he was like, I believe in this team. I know we have athletes, Brought a new strength coach too, which has done phenomenal. Oh, okay. Uh, shout out to Coach Fears. Um, he he has definitely done a lot to change the culture of Missouri Western too. Did you just say Coach Fear? Coach Fears. Fears, yeah. okay. F-A-R-S.
0: Okay. Okay. We might have to shorten that to Coach Fear. I mean, that would be electric. That's <laughs> yeah, a- no, and
3: he's he's stereotypical weights coach. He's bald, beard, <laughs> tattoos, just absolutely jacked out of his mind. And he, did, he like he he loves getting pumped. I love it, dude. Ah, oh. all
0: right, my man. Now that's now we officially burned through all. That's all I got for you. Thank you for uh, for joining me tonight. It's been good. I'm excited to uh, watch you guys this weekend, but then obviously follow you. You'll handle business this weekend. I know it, and then uh, you know see where it takes you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Kobe. All right, have a good night, man. All right, I appreciate Jonas coming on. We're gonna start off with the new regional rankings that came out on the Division Two side of things from the NCAA, and remember. The way this works is that there are four Super Regions. You're going to have one through ten, the top ten teams from that the committee selects in each Super Region. That doesn't mean they're all in the playoffs. Only the top seven teams in each Super Region make it into the playoffs. There's a 28-team pool, and then you have uh, the four first-round teams that get a bye. So there's really the 24 teams playing in that first week of the playoffs. But if we take a look, at these Super Region rankings, uh, there have certainly been some shakeups. There have also been a lot of things that stayed the same. Slippery Rock and Tiffin being on the top of Super Region 1 is one of those things. What you will see in this is that the PSAC right now, as far as Super Region 1 is concerned, which... Let's be honest. You have the GMAC and the NE10, and it looks like the MEC. It's not maybe the toughest super region out of the bunch, but the PSAC right now is dominating. Slippery Rock, you've got California, Kutztown, Shepherd, East Stroudsburg. Like you could just go down the list. The PSAC has a lot of depth this year. The committee, it seems to be, they are respecting that. Frostburg State, we're going to talk about them being upset. They hang around at number nine, but now they're on the outside looking in. Not a team that. I would expect to now make the playoffs because of their loss to Glenville State. New Haven picks up a big dub, but again, still on the outside looking in. We've got Kutztown uh, playing Slippery Rock for the PSAC Championship this week. That should be very interesting. Super Region 2. Again, a lot has kind of stayed the same in this one. We saw Lenore Ryan get knocked down a peg last week after their loss to Wingate. They bounce back in a big fashion. They're still a very efficient offense and team in general. Benedict Delta State still stand atop, although Valdosta and West Florida from the Gulf South very much still in the mix. The team that I'm kind of excited about is that number seven right there, Virginia Union. We're going to talk about their game here shortly. And they are still very much in this. At 9-1, and one, they control their own destiny. They're going to be playing that team at number six, Fayetteville State, in the CIAA Championship this coming week for the conference title. And then you've got some squads like Limestone, Miles, Mars Hill, lost a double overtime game. That's going to have them basically out of the playoff race this week. Excuse me, Limestone with a big win over Barton, they need a little bit of help. Uh, Virginia Union might be able to give them that. I don't know if any the other teams on this on this list will lose. But Limestone still very much has a chance, even though they are a three-loss squad. They might be able to take this Fayetteville State spot. We will see. And then Super Region 3, which in my opinion is probably the most depth in all the Super Regions. Um, am I biased because I'm a Gliac guy? Maybe. But look at the teams that are coming out of the GAC right here. Between Harding and Watchtop Baptist. You also have uh, Southern Arkansas now sneaking into the mix at number 10. This part of the Super Region, to me, is stacked. Number one through six, like, we're talking about world beaters. And that's not to discredit Missouri Western, Davenport, and Indy. But one through six right here, I think that's the best depth in any of the super regions that we've seen. Harding is playing on a different level than anyone else right now. Grand Valley, even though they opened up the year with a loss, has been playing lights out. They get a chance at Davenport, who's number eight this week. I expect them to handle business. You've got Pitt State, Central Missouri, MIAA contenders over there, Ferris State, Wachita, there's a lot to like here. And for Missouri Western, that win over Pitt State is going to solidify them a spot. I don't see Davenport taking down GV this weekend. I agree with kind of their spot here. So the question was, at least coming into this, can Davenport be a two-loss GLIAC team losing to Ferris and Grand Valley and still sneak into the playoffs like they did last year? After the Missouri Western win, I think not. Because you have Ferris State, who already took them down. Grand Valley, if they do handle business against Davenport, is locked up their position. Pitt State and Central Missouri will handle business, as well as Harding and Washita who have already played each other. And then you have Missouri Western, who, if they take care of business against Southern, this region seems to be locked up to me. And I think Davenport is going to be the first squad on the outside looking in, which kind of disappointing for a team that has had a lot of success this year, has won a lot of really tough games in great fashion. But when it comes down to it, you're still just not at the top level of the GLIAC. I could absolutely bite my tongue a week from now, like five days from now, if they come out and stun Grand Valley. And if they do, I would love for someone to bring up this clip. I don't see it happening, but this Davenport team might be in a really tough spot in this Super Region. And in Super Region 4, another region with some great depth because you have the NSIC in here. I think that adds a lot of it. But not to discredit the RMAC, the top two teams, Mines in Western Colorado, both playing a different brand of football right now. They look incredibly solid. you got Central Washington and UTPB who have both been playing lights out as well. I do believe they have a matchup this week in the last of the year against Central Washington. They get uh, a chance at Permian Basin. I'm excited to see that one. And then... I guess I should say the reason I'm excited to see that is you have a very prolific uh, passing offense. We've talked a lot about those Falcons over there against a really strong secondary from the Wolves and from Central Washington. They've got some guys like Tanner Volk in that secondary, that are going to make plays that can generate takeaways very quickly. So we'll see how that one shakes out between number three and four. Then you have the NSIC mix that comes into play here with Bemidji, Augustana, Minnesota State. Mankato is interesting to me. They just want to shoot out against Winona. And now they have to win and get in against Duluth this next week. If they win that game, I don't see a reason why they get denied from the playoffs. Uh, but that's not a gimme. Duluth is a very competent football team. Wayne State, Nebraska on the outside looking in here in this, in this region. Angelo State and Kingsville, I don't see them really making a push to get in here. Uh, but that all depends. Can Minnesota State take care of business? I do believe uh, Augustana plays Bemidji State this last week. I, I will double-check that, but I do believe they played this last week um, to decide the NSIC, and that could be a game that, I mean, I don't really know which way that goes, to be honest with you. Here, let me double-check that real quick. I thought that was the case. Yes, so that is uh, home for Augustana, Bemidji State coming to town. That's the biggest game of the year for the NSIC. That is deciding the conference champion. Now, both those teams, one loss. Does losing in that kind of environment, bump you from the playoffs. I hope not. Both those teams are playoff quality and caliber teams. I don't know how the committee thinks. I'm not on it. Thankfully, um, that would probably not be good, but uh, that's kind of the super region deal. As far as division two goes, let's go into talking about some of the recaps from week 10. And I think I'd be at a disservice to start anywhere else than Ferris state at Davenport. That's number four at number 13. And for Ferris state, this is a team with two losses. Now granted, one of them was a loss to a division one Montana team that I believe is like top five in the country right now and you notice that on the regional rankings right here I'll pull it back up Ferris State is listed at seven and one they're not listed at seven and two because that loss against a division one opponent does not count and the whole reason behind that is because uh, the at least I'd assume I don't know. I'm not on the committee. I already said that. But the committee doesn't want to penalize Ferris for going out to schedule some great competition um, and ruining their playoff chances. So they're listed at 7-1 and one right here as opposed to uh, to 7-2. and two. But even with that being said, this was a must win for Ferris over a ranked Davenport squad. They get the job done. It was not easy, though. You talk about Davenport coming out, scoring first. Myron Harris gets a tud. And then Ferris really started to pick up the pace. But. Davenport went into halftime with a lead, 10-7. So I don't want to make it seem like it was a very one-sided squad. That's when Sean Stevens stepped in. His kick return at the start of the second half. You talk about winning those last couple minutes going into halftime and those first couple minutes coming out of it. Those are momentum times. You have to capitalize on those. I think a lot of people talk about that. Sean Stevens does that for Ferris. They score. They would also go ahead and score again and again. They'd score three unanswered touchdowns, hold Davenport to a goose egg in the second half. They set up big time. This was at Davenport as well. Sean Stevens with a pick to uh, almost basically seal the game, his pick six. So he came uh, up really clutch for Davenport and uh that was kind of the, the kind of the cliff notes uh, of that one and I think you know we talked about it can Davenport sneak in I don't really think they can, which sucks because this is a really talented Davenport team, probably the best of the last two or three years, I would argue, at least that I've seen. Um, but looking at the box score in this one, we continued to get a healthy dose and a healthy mix of Malik Mitchell, Malik Mitchell, excuse me, and Carson Golker uh, for Davenport. Mostly Jason Whitaker. He was not his efficient self on the day. Four interceptions from the Northwestern grad transfer. Very uncharacteristic of him. The passing attack for them has been great. But uh, D1R athlete Preston Smith did still have a day. Six catches for 89 yards. Love to see that from him. He's had a really solid year. But the X-Man from Ferris, he outdid him. Xavier Wade, eight catches for 127 and a tod. I mean, he has been a model of consistency for Ferris State. Just as well, their D-line. How about six tackles for loss and a couple sacks, three sacks on top of that? Not only were they generating turnovers on the defensive back end and the secondary, that defensive line continues to get after it. Uh, you talk about guys, too, even that linebacker core like Major Deadmond, he's a dude that uh, continues to get after the football. But enough of that talk uh, as far as Fair State goes. Let's move over to, how about the another great upset this week? McKendry at number 11, U-Indy. And this University of Indianapolis team, who was undefeated coming into this contest, I this was the last game that I expect to see an upset. But McKendree pulls it out, 21-16. This was a really tough one. Uh, the Bearcats were 3-5 and five heading into this. This is not a team that has been surprising people all year. I will say, though, you talk about the out of conference play and the way that this McKendry team started their season. It's not really a wonder how they started three and five. You open up your on your non-conference schedule. You open up at Tiffin, who right now is the one seed in their super region, is 10 and 0 and rolling. Then you go home versus University of West Florida, who again, another freaking star-studded Division II program. And then finally you go at Minnesota State Moorhead, who has the probably one of the best passing offenses in Division Two right now. Um, That's a really tough non conference slate. They started the year 0 5. They've won four straight. Shout out McKendry to be able to turn their season around just like that. Lost a tough one in their GLVC opener against Truman and then another one for Southwest Baptist. They've gone on rifled off four wins, looking to continue that success with William Jewell and even up their record to an even 500. How about a tale of two halves for the McKendry Bullcats? Excuse me, Bearcats. That's really impressive. And that strength of schedule, I think, is going to make your team better, but. Not going to help you make a little bit of a playoff push there, huh, Country. Now, Andy, barring anything crazy, when you look at these um, standings, I don't think they're going to be a playoff team. They're in a very similar situation as Davenport where you have to win out because of this, you know, you have a loss like that, and all of a sudden the rest of the Super Region has really upped their game. So now that one or two extra spots that are in that top seven from a year ago, No longer there. So this UND team, even if they win next week, they're still going to be on the outside looking in, I do believe, in Super Region Number 3 because of the depth that we talked about. A one-loss UND team is not going to make the cut. That's crazy. That is... uh That's really wild. And it sucks because they're a very talented football team. And again, the name of the game, Gavin up for Indy. He threw for 239. He threw also for two interceptions. When you're turning over the ball, that's what's generating these kind of upsets. The quarterback for McKendree, Caleb Fisher, no interceptions. He did have three tuds on the day, and they were getting the job done. They rushed for only, well, their net rushing yardage was negative 16 yards. That's insane. I know that accounts for sacks as well. Um, they end up gaining 60 yards, but when you add in the net, oh, excuse me, the negative uh, 16. How about uh, their receiving game, though, is where they got uh, most of it going. Abdurrahman Kendall, uh, Kendall Abdurrahman, excuse me, um, five catches for 138 and two tuds. He's the MVP of the game for McKendry. Obviously, Suckup played uh, a great game as well, along with their defensive secondary for generating those interceptions. Got some great special teams play from the Bearcats. They're rolling the second half of the year. Shout out to them. We've got number 25, Mars Hill at Tusculum. This one went into double overtime. And now, this had actually some really big playoff implications as well for a Mars Hill team that is on the outside looking in in their super region, trying to make a playoff hunt. It's safe to say, that's just about over. Tusculum takes this one 29 27. And now, because the Pioneers clinched the Mountain Division in the SAC, they'll face Lenore Ryan in the SAC title game. That's at Tusculum. Lenore Ryan, excuse me, still the heavy favorite in that one. But the fact that Tusculum gets to host that, I think is pretty big time. But again, Mars Hill, that is a terrible loss for them. Not because it's a bad Tusculum team. It's a great Tusculum team. But a terrible loss in timing for them because of where they are at. um, Trying to make a push in those regional rankings. Now they are certainly going to be uh, left out, I do believe, unless they get some major help. Tusculum, though. Look for them to make some noise. They play a really good game against this Lenore Ryan team. Not Ryan team excuse me, then you never know what happens. If they come out and beat them, I don't see it happening. A couple more uh, game notes here. Virginia State at number 20, Virginia Union. How about the environment here? 15,000 strong to watch this one. The two in-state rivals. Union comes out on top, 30 to 20. And you look at some of these stats, man. I mean, they are, they're pretty incredible. A lot of turnovers in this one. Five interceptions between the two teams. The ball was being just batted uh, all over the place. And, after this win for a Virginia Union team that right now is nine and one and playing some really good football, this, my friends, is the next step for the Panthers over there. The CIAA championship game between Virginia Union and Fayetteville State. This is a huge one. We talked about it in the super uh, the regional rankings. Those two right next to each other. Who takes this one? I don't know, but it's going to have some very big playoff implications. Um, if they can knock off Fayetteville, yeah, Virginia Union does open up some potential other opportunities for other squads in that region to come out and sneak into the playoffs. So that will uh, that will certainly be interesting. But otherwise, notes kind of on the on the box score a little bit here. Jada Byers continues to be that guy. He had 155 on the ground, um, very much still a dude. How about uh, Jackson Roy the third? He uh, three catches, 127, and a tud for Virginia State. Who? Has struggled a little bit the second half of the year, but still a very quality football team and a quality win for that Virginia Union squad. Two more here, games talk about. We got Minnesota State at Winona, and we talked about it earlier. The must-win this week for Mankato against Duluth, or they're out of the the playoffs. Because of the depth in that super region, you have to win against Duluth, and you have to do it probably in a convincing fashion, and you're in. Winning, you're in right now for Mankato. 49-42 against Winona. That is a lot of points. Did not expect Winona to put up that much. Kudos to them and their quarterback. Um again, though, interceptions, turnovers end up being the uh being the what the Achilles heel of the Warriors here. I think one of the biggest notes from this one is that Sheen Butler Lawson is very much back. He had 172 on 20 carries and three tuds. He had kind of struggled. I don't want to say he dropped off the map, but he kind of struggled these last couple weeks. Good to see that he is very much still a guy in the backfield for the Mavericks over there. We really appreciate Sheen. He's come on the show here a couple times. Um, But some other great performances in that one. Offensively, an absolute shootout. Did not expect that from the Northern Sun. People call that the Big Ten of D2 football. Yeah, I've never seen a Big Ten score be 49 to 42, at least not in a while. Um, Finally, though. GMAC, Big time playoff implications. You've got Finley at Ashland. Finley coming into this game in a win and get in kind of situation. Control your destiny kind of situation. They have Ashland and then they have Tiffin. If you win those games, you control your playoff hopes. But Finley can't get it done. The Ashland Eagles come out on top of this one in a nail biter. 37 to 35 in quadruple overtime. Four overtimes. Wow. Wow. That's unreal. I mean, that is ridiculous. Some really great performances um, in this one. Both quarterbacks throwing for uh, quite a bit of yards, one turnover apiece. But how about uh, Desmond Libertas? He was, from Ashland, one of the nominees for D2 Offensive Player of the Week. 11 catches for 220 yards and two tuds. He was balling his ass off. So was Cam Childers for fin- uh, Finlandia. Yeah. For Finley on the other side of things, 10 catches for 174 and a tud. Uh, got some good rushing attacks going from both these guys. But, I mean, this, again, for Finley, got to be a disappointing loss for them. It felt like they were controlling their destiny, a really solid GMAX squad. We'll see what kind of fight they have going into this Tiffin game, knowing that now they're definitely out of the race. Can they split uh, play spoiler? Excuse me to Tiffin's one seed. They're not going to knock Tiffin out of the playoffs by any means. But can they come in to Tiffin play spoiler to their one seed in Super Region One and make them have a tougher battle? Who knows? Still a lot to play for for them over there. Obviously, other game notes before we go to the other guest. We have uh, we talked about it. Frostburg State they're upset by Glenville State now. Their playoff hopes dwindling. Dwindling. Excuse me. They do have Fairmont State this week, who's ahead of them in the regional rankings. If they can pull off that dub, their playoff hopes. Very much still alive. Fayetteville State wins in overtime over Winston-Salem. They will advance like we showed there. to the CIAA championship against Virginia Union. And then Limestone. They keep their playoff hopes alive with that close win over Barton. Before we get over to the D3 side of things, let's go to our D3 guest today. The one from Grove City in the offensive backfield. <laughs> Joining the show tonight, this man leads the rushing attack for one of the newest teams on the national scene in D3 football. He's averaging over 100 yards per game on the ground from Grove City College, Nico Flatty. What's up,
1: brother? How are you? What's up? Good. How you doing? Thanks for having me.
0: Great, dude. And uh, that's uh, just off the off the top there. And again, I don't claim to be a, a D three expert, but Grove City is not a name I was familiar with heading into this year. You can bet your ass. I know all about you guys now. Being able to follow you guys through your conference play has been uh, has been a lot of fun and. A lot of firsts for this team, dude. First time you've been nine and zero. First ever yep. NCAA tournament berth. Uh, you're playing for an outright pack championship, uh, conference-wise. The first time since 1997. Next week, um, mm-hmm. your challenge is to just not get up, caught up in all of that. But what a time to to be a Wolverine and part of that squad, huh?
1: Yeah, for sure. It's uh, definitely exciting. Uh, an awesome group of people that we have here. Awesome group of kids and uh, awesome group of coaches as well. Uh, What we have here is pretty special, so uh, it's pretty sweet that, uh, like, through 100 years of the school that we're getting a lot of firsts this year. So uh, it hasn't really sunk in yet, but it's something special.
0: That's a crazy thing, too, is when you hear all of that, you assume, okay, this is maybe a fresh football team that joined the conference five to ten years ago. This team has been around for a while. I think you've got over 500 wins in program history. Like, this team has seen success before but now it feels like those are some program-defining wins that you're starting to stack this year, and this this ship is only going to continue to go up and up and up. It's got to be a pretty exciting piece.
1: Yeah, very exciting.
0: Um, where do we where where are you at right now? I know you just got out
1: of meetings. Um just right outside the uh, the building, like right outside the mil- the meeting place. Okay, give it yeah, give us I could just here. flip it around. Oh yeah, oh yeah,
0: that's a nice, nice. That's spot. where the meeting would be. Okay. I got you. I got you. Did someone give you a shiner up under your uh, your left eye? There, what's going on,
1: dude? Um, it's just a little, you know, a little pimple or some something. I don't really
0: know, <laughs> no, dude. Come on, you got to give me a better story than that. Some linebacker came through and just took a shot at you. That doesn't happen, though, does it? Nah, nah. <laughs>
1: we don't get touched. <laughs> we don't get touched in practice.
0: I love it. Uh, we game. talk about the excitement. We talked about a lot of firsts for this team, man. Obviously, the team, the coaching staff, everyone in that locker room is is got to be up on this. What about the school? And how have they been uh, able to support you guys and, and come out and really get around this team?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, the uh, kids are, exciting, are excited for our team. And uh, all the uh, teachers and stuff have, uh, have been super excited for us because this is a lot of firsts that have been happening, like you said. And um, just the community is very excited. Everyone's coming out to the games. Uh, you know, there's kids dressing up for Halloween and uh, Grove no City way. stuff, which is pretty neat. So, we get uh,
0: any Nico Flatty uh, Halloween costumes?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> that'd
0: be sick. Oh, that'd be so cool. How big is uh, how big is Grove City? Uh,
1: it's not the biggest town, but uh, I would say. As far as the I don't school? really know. The school. Uh we'll say like twenty thousand then, not really.
0: You say twenty two zero?
1: Maybe. Oh shit. Okay. As so you're, you're decent, size. As a As decent
0: size. I got you. That's a guess. It's a, it's educated guess. Yeah, um, it's but a talking on the back on the ball side of things, you have that the overtime win versus Case Western in week three, that was obviously huge. But it felt like the yeah. win at home over Carnegie Mellon, that to me is where, at least from an outsider, it started to feel like okay, this is a team that could certainly go through and run the table as far as the PAC is concerned. And then from there, what was that game like? And was it as much of a turning point as maybe I see it to be?
1: Um, that game, our defense stepped up phenomenally, like stopping them on the one yard line when they're trying to get in with the wildcat formation. Um, I mean, it was, it was the finding win for sure. Cause uh, we knew that we could beat them cause we beat them two years back and uh, it, it was more like we're going in good to great each rep one to know each week and uh we don't care who you give us against we're just going to go good to great each rep one to know each week and it, it's been, been happening like so like we put in that motto this year with coach Di D'Onato, and it's uh been sticking with us this whole season and it's been working um
2: I'll and say we are just
1: yeah and we are just fixed on a vision of uh, winning a PIC championship, and that's what we came here for. And uh, it's been pretty neat.
0: Pretty neat is a, is the, potentially the understatement of the century, but I appreciate um, you at least putting it in that way. Um, and that win's huge, too, because Carnegie had won the conference the last two years, and even though you guys had maybe served them in the past, um, that was definitely a big piece. And talk about the middle of your schedule right there. I think you went Case Western, Carnegie, and then what was it, Washington and Jefferson maybe the week after, which was another really tight game. And when you're consistently able to come out on top and finish those close games against quality opponents – I feel like that's definitely a good characteristic of a winning football team and a team that has a chance to go far in the playoffs.
1: Yeah. So uh this summer we found you know, we got the schedules out and um it was uh gonna be a tough September and we knew that coming yeah. in. So uh we were just working hard all summer, uh, working our craft and um we knew they were gonna it was gonna be a tough September. So when we were going into these games, we knew that we had to be we had to be good to grade each rep, which we were
0: hundred percent. Um, and you talk about the defense a little bit, especially that the stops in the Mellon game. But uh, you guys have played a lot of complimentary football, not just in that particular outing. You're averaging over five more minutes in the time of possession game, which is obviously huge at any level. The defense uh, has yet to let up 30 points this game. The offense seems to be really finding its stride. How has that grown over the course of this year? Because like you said, you get those trials early on, that kind of gauntlet in your schedule. How have you seen those both sides of the ball grow over these last uh, couple weeks of season?
1: Yeah, so we've seen uh, the defense grow from, uh, you know, the corners making plays. uh, Obviously, Ben Bladel making plays all the time. uh, And he's also making plays on special teams as well, which has been crazy uh, to see. Um, But guys on offense, people are stepping up. We had an injury in in our offensive line. uh, But the guy that stepped up, he's been stepping up great. And um, our receivers, they catch the ball whenever we need them to. And our backs run the ball with no uh, turnovers. And um, just getting uh, – we try to get five yards each rep, you know. Find green grass, skip five yards each rep, and it's been uh, pretty cool to see.
0: Yeah, 100%, man. And that's like – Just a lot of fundamental ball over there, right? Not trying to do anything too fancy, too special. You do your job. You do your – what's the the coach is saying? The 111th, right? Everyone doing their 111th, and that adds up to be Mm -hmm. something – Pretty special, but that next man up mentality feels like, and you talked about it there, it's been a huge part of this team, and I'm just trying to read through a couple of the recaps and other things that it, it feels like there's been a lot of guys who have come into maybe some bigger shoes this year than they've had in the past. You've had some talented guys graduate in the last one or two years that maybe yeah. have won a lot of accolades, and now you've got some maybe younger guys coming into some big shoes and filling them, and it seems like they've done a great job of rising to the challenge. I know, uh, Shay, is at Aitken?
1: Yep, shake, he, uh, he and is, That's what yeah, I was he's thinking. He's definitely of.
0: been one of those guys, right?
1: Yeah. So he came in clutch during that uh, Carnegie Mellon game, coming up with some picks and uh, strips, uh, strip a sack. He he was all over the game in that Carnegie Mellon game, and that was a big key to us winning. Um, he's been pretty. Uh, he was a running back at first when he when he came in, okay. and when they when they put him to a uh, corner, uh, he didn't put his head down and pout. He just kept working his, his, uh, his craft. And when his name was called, he did what he had to do.
0: There's been a lot of guys kind of in that situation, stepping into maybe some, some new roles for you guys over there.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, we can go with, uh, Luke Jolly. Who's a, uh, offensive lineman. He's six, seven. Um, he's been working his tail off this past two weeks. I mean, I've been running behind him. uh, he's been doing really well because uh, we had an injury at a uh, offensive tackle and uh, excuse me, guard. And um, he's been stepping up very well.
0: Yeah. That's big, man. I mean, you can have people come in and, and continue that level of play, right? When you have that, that person come in at whatever position it is and the level of play doesn't drop and your team can continue to, to pick up right where they left off. But, Obviously, still a game to play. Uh, we're not looking ahead to the playoffs yet, even though you guys have clinched, which has to be a huge weight off your shoulders. Still one week. You've got Teal up, coming up this Saturday. Talk about what you need to do to get that one done.
1: Yeah, we just got uh, to, again, go to Grady, want one know each week. Uh, <laughs> you, uh, loves that, yeah, you love that shit, don't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't get old. Yep. But uh, can't take anyone lightly in this conference. Of course. Even Teal. Uh, they've been better than they have been in re- recent years, um, racking up a few wins. But uh, we're going to go in, do what we do, and uh, we'll get that. If we win, we get this Mercer County Cup, which is like the county around uh, okay. around here. So it's like um, we'll, we'll get that, and uh, we'll see who we play on uh, that Sunday, that selection show. That's
0: huge. That'll be fun. That'll be a fun experience yeah. for you guys, man. And I think – Uh, it's interesting too because Teal's in that position where I believe I saw the stat they've got like three wins this year which is more wins than they've had combined in the last two seasons and so now you're looking at a program that is extremely hungry we talked about a statement win for you guys over Carnegie uh, earlier in the year and now you've got a team in Teal who they're looking for that win they're looking for that statement win. you guys uh, just as it comes to find out are in the perfect position that's exactly how they're looking at you, the same way that y'all were. you know, you've been on the other side of it. So I know you guys understand that feeling going to the game. You'll be prepared for that one. But uh, another piece that I wanted to talk to you about a little bit uh, are the bowl games, especially the D3 level. I don't think a lot of people Mm. understand quite the implications because it's obviously different than maybe the FBS level and uh, everything that goes into it. But looking at your win last year in the bowl, do you feel like it was important for you guys as a team to get that one extra week to just compete – and to continue to fine-tune a lot of the things on both sides of the ball and obviously heading to the offseason with a decent amount of momentum because you did have uh, a hell of a game that week. It was like 155 yards from you in the backfield too, so that had been uh, pretty fun.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it was put us up against anyone. Uh, we'll do what we do. Utica was a good team. Um, and we've played head State in the past, uh, RPI. I think RPI was like in the – elite eight, like a few years back. Yeah. Um, if I can remember. So, uh, yeah. So these are legit teams that we play in the bowl game. So, um, I mean, it's pretty cool to, uh, not only beat those teams, but like beat them by a a large amount of points. So, uh, to show like, uh, the selection board that the PAC is in something, uh, we're not just, uh, what I want to say, like, bad teams like because they pick one person they've been picking one uh, team from the pack in the recent years so yeah. I, I think if we pick two teams this year I, th- I know Carnegie Mellon could get in uh, shows I mean, a little, I little I more like,
0: depth in the conference than maybe people believe huh
1: yeah for sure
0: no that's big and with the bowl games being said and I'm sure that was a great experience for you guys uh, how awesome is it to be like screw the bowl games we're gonna go play for the the whole thing this year
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, That's gonna be cool. We've been saying the bowl games are nice, but we want something else. You know, we want more. Yeah. Uh, that we we were sick of just winning the bowl games. We wanted that pack championship that we've been working for, and we finally got it. So the uh, the story isn't over. We want to keep going. We want to make a a nice run in the uh, playoffs, and hopefully, ultimate ultimately win the whole thing. But uh, we just, we'll take it one week at a time, and like we've been doing. So. Uh, no sick. doubt, dude.
0: No doubt. Try not to get any more uh, pimples under the eye there. We're going to need a lot of food this postseason. All right. Um, <laughs> but that's uh, that's all I got for you, Nico. I appreciate you uh, taking a little time to come on here, brother. Thank you. And good luck this yeah. week. I'm going to be excited to keep following you guys, man.
1: Thank you, Kobe. Appreciate it. Of course. It. All right. I appreciate you coming on,
0: talking a little bit about the uh, the Grove City squad that we admittedly have uh, – we've talked a little bit about on this show but haven't had a representation on, so great to have him on. Joining us now, Jimmy. Here to cover the rest of the D3 landscape for us. We had uh we had a lot of shit go down in D3. It's kind of exciting, kind of different how they handle the playoffs compared to D2, obviously, with the automatic bids from the conferences. So I guess I'm assuming that's where we want to start, huh?
2: Yep, yep. So there's uh 14 teams actually clinched their playoff berth this week. Uh, obviously, huge weekend, in Division three football. Uh, you know, we saw our Instagram posts, all those guys. So shout out to all those teams that clinched. Uh, so we'll start off here, Randolph-Macon. Uh Wartburg, Alma, Grove City, Springfield, Trinity, Cortland, Delaware Valley, who has like really cool jerseys, by the way. I just wanted Dude, to say that jerseys bass. are like really cool jerseys. Yes. Uh then you got Johns Hawkins, uh UWL, who's uh puts their back-to-back playoff appearances. Uh then obviously Mount Union being back in the playoffs, no surprise there. Uh Endicott. Harden-Simmons and Ithaca. So they're all 14 of those teams have clinched. So, uh, you know, that's obviously huge for them. Yeah, and a big part of that, too, is um, because
0: you do have the one regular season game left. So a lot, not all of them, but a lot of those instances are clinching the automatic berth from the conference and then also clinching at least a share of the conference title. So uh, most of those teams do still have to win this last uh, week of the season to get the outright title in their respective conferences. And that's why we have a lot of teams, too, that you're probably going to mention here that uh, still have not potentially earned those bids.
2: Yeah. So there's a handful of remaining conference leaders. So like if the playoffs started today, these teams here on this list would be uh would be in the playoffs. But <clears throat> so obviously you got North Central. They haven't clinched yet, but I mean they're the number one team in the country. Probably regardless, like they're gonna get in even if they lose. But they're I cannot see them losing the, the rest of the regular season here. Uh in all honesty. Uh Mount St. Joseph, one of those teams leading their conference. Uh Gaudette, uh Sesquahana, uh, Western Connecticut, uh, Bethel, then they got Gustavus this week mm-hmm. in the uh, Mayak championship. That'll be a pretty, uh, pretty cool game. Um, Illinois College, who they've been just having, they've been lighting up the scoreboard all year. The, Dude, uh, their
0: offense is ridiculous. Destiny Chance back there just crazy. slinging the rock. He's had a couple of receivers. I think it was Colin Brunstein that, uh, has been catching about freaking all of them, it seems like, but they spread the rock out. And I don't know what conference is that? I can't, off the top of my head.
2: Uh, Shoot. I don't know. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out, but yeah, keep rolling. They yeah. are,
0: their offense is ridiculous
2: yeah. right now. Yeah. They've been unbelievable. They've been unreal. Um, then you got Aurora, the Spartans. They are trying to get back into the playoffs. Uh, they had a hell of a season last year and they're, they've been rolling all year this year too. Um, and then DePaul as well is having quite a year. They're leading their conference. Uh, Christopher Newport, Linfield, Chapman, Minnesota Morris and Bell Haven that, uh, kind of rounds out the, uh, First place teams right now, but have not technically clinched yet. But they're on the track to control their own destiny, if you will. All they have to do is win and they're in no yeah. matter what. Yeah. So, no, it's always uh, good to have that being in control of your own destiny, you know. So.
0: The, uh, excuse me, the Illinois College, they're in the MWC, which I'm like, they're not in the Mountain West. No, it's the Midwest <laughs> Conference. That yeah. is, uh, I was not familiar with that. So you have, like, the other couple squads that are near the top there, Monmouth in Illinois, Lake Forest, Cornell College. Um, but honestly, not not a ton of teams that I'm very familiar with over there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this, this time of year is super exciting for these D3 squads, especially when you get these teams – that have clinched their bids respectively in their conference. But then the challenge becomes, you know, you already know you're in the dance. So how much of a fight do you get these last couple weeks? Um, that it becomes really interesting. And we know that seeding is obviously a huge part of this. So they should <laughs> they should definitely have all the motivation in the world if they oh, want yeah. to get a
2: home playoff game. Oh yeah. All these teams still have to throw on the gas. Make no mistake about it. Like absolutely yeah.
0: 100%. What game do you wanna do you want to start with here how about our game of the week with uh in the Wyack?
2: Oh yeah, that that game was spectacular. Uh, it was you know, being uh, lacrosse clinched the home field advantage for the first playoff game of the year, um, and uh, River Falls, man, oh man, like they're they're having such a great year, and like now they just have such a small chance to get into the playoffs. Yeah. just man, I kind of just like I almost sympathize for them because in our conference, you know, they're a really good team, and their only two losses are to lacrosse and Whitewater, and they've. I don't know, man. They had a heck of a year. They beat Mary Hart and Baylor pretty good yeah. in the beginning of the year. That was a pretty big statement win for them. But uh, yeah, it's just kind of a bummer. That, I mean, that's what happens when you get twenty-eight automatic conference winning bids. Yeah. In a, in a play game. I mean, that's just how it goes. I mean, that's the rules. It's tough. But, uh, it's
0: yeah. like course, um, I remember I saw someone talking about it too, where when you look at and I'll have to pull it up here the River Falls schedule, but I believe. That was their only kind of statement win out of conference was that Mary Harden-Baylor win. And now, in the grand scheme of things, is that as much of a statement win as we thought it was? <laughs> Maybe not, right? Because that Mary Harden-Baylor team is the first time a four-loss team in a long time. They're missing out in the playoffs entirely, no question. Your other two non-conference games are Ohio Wesleyan and Northwestern. And, you know, I understand it being in the WIAC that you, you need to do that, but now it bites you in the ass because now you're yeah. looking at a two-loss team that deserves to maybe have a playoff appearance, but you didn't have necessarily the out-of-conference the schedule in those other two games to maybe give you yeah. over the hump. And I think you're right. When you give all these automatic conference bids to these teams who are coming out on top, um, you're going to fill up your playoff picture very quickly, I think that's why the Division Two realm has kind of changed so much. We see a lot of two and even a couple three lost teams in these regional rankings at the D two level, and I think it just goes to show they understand that the strength of conference that they play. And like you said, they're losing to two teams that are going to probably be in the playoffs. We know lacrosse is. Uh, we're assuming that Whitewater is probably going to sneak in there as well huh? at an at large.
2: Yeah, yeah. As long as they win this week, they're uh, definitely going to get in there. I mean, and who do they have you know, off the top of our head? Um, I got you. Hold on. No, no, no. Uh, oh, Stephen's point. Okay. 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 Yeah. So,
0: Yeah. Yep. Relatively safe to assume they'll be,
2: they'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah. I have a feeling they'll be fine. Yeah.
0: But, no, I mean, talk about, dude, that game, the environment, how it came down to literally the last seconds. Like, it was an instant classic. And you kind of mentioned, like, for a River Falls team that over the last couple years has seen improvement. This felt like it was their year. The Top Gun offense, the Cobra Kai defense. The verbiage was off the charts for the the River Falls guys over there. But they come up just short. It feels like they're probably going to be in the Isthmus uh, Culver's Bowl like one more year, man. They've been the last two years, correct?
2: Yep. as long as they keep – as long as they beat Oshkosh this week, they will be in the in the Isthmus Bowl for the 30 in a row. That's but, right. They still I mean, have sure to win against the quality sure Oshkosh kind of team. Of yeah, I know, I know, but I'm sure they're probably getting sick of the Isthmus Bowl. Unfortunately, over yeah. there. it's kind it's of a weird. They're, they're a hell of a team. Like I saw spot. them in person; they're really good. Yeah, but
0: yeah, absolutely. And credit to them to be able to come back in this one. They were down at one point, 31 to seven, dude, and it felt like no, no, a was... big comeback. Yeah, it was all across. It was all Kaiser, Heltor, and Company. Caleb Blaha turned on the Jets uh, in the third quarter, and the, I mean the offense as entirety. They started to really come alive, and they scored a lot of unanswered points. At the end of the day, just not enough that block field goal to close things off. I mean, that was that was tough. That was tough to watch, dude. At crazy, home.
2: crazy, oh, man. Wild, yeah, man, wild. Yeah, but let's move on. I saw that clip. I saw that clip. It was just nuts, dude. Yes. That was
0: – that clip was ridiculous. But uh, Johns Hopkins and uh, Dickinson with a pretty uh, tight one there.
2: Yeah, this was a wild game. Uh, so, started off pretty early. Uh, Dickinson actually had an early head start in this one. Uh, and then early on, 96-yard uh, kickoff return by Princeton Douglas. So, that was pretty crazy uh, – pretty crazy play in that game. Uh, Johns Hopkins finished the game with a 21, answer, 21 unanswered points. Hello. Uh, Dickinson – uh, now eliminated into their third loss of the year. That kind of puts them out of it, unfortunately, for them. And uh, and then Hop- Johns Hopkins quenches a playoff break with this one. Um, huge mm-hmm. game. Obviously, winning and going on 21 unanswered points is always, like, so fun probably for them, like, that yeah, comeback win. Awesome. But on the dash, like, you know that's it. You know, I'm taking it home. So. Yeah.
0: And I think this Dickinson team was expected to put up quite a fight because talk about heading into this game, only two losses on the year. One of them being to RPI who was receiving votes at the time. And we've seen uh, gave Ith- Ithaca a really close game into overtime and has played some really good football throughout the year. Their other loss coming to another 17 ranked Muhlenberg. Um, and we saw what they did against Johns Hopkins, right? When it came down to the last second, freaking miracle just to, for Johns Hopkins mm-hmm. to, to eke their way out of that one. So, this Dickinson team, I don't believe it was any surprise that they held their own in this. But like you said, now you're a three loss team in the Division Three realm, and that uh, that spells a lot of things. It does not spell yeah.
2: playoffs. No, unfortunately not. I mean, you know, they hit the cap, they had a nice year. They gave Johns Hopkins a hell of a game, obviously. You know, but. Yeah, three losses isn't going to cut it, unfortunately, in Division Three. So look at an
0: RPI team that's now in a very similar situation. They had the one loss heading into this week against Ithaca in overtime, and you know that could be something where okay, you leave it at one loss, you're really pitching yourself a decent chance. Hobart comes out and takes them down this week, and that was something I certainly did not expect. And now RPI is in that very similar spot, and D three is just it's so stingy. I think just because of the amount of teams and like you said, the the uh, automatic bids.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's tough. It's really cutthroat. I mean, you have to you have to win all the conference games. and Obviously, they're not conference games as well, but you know, winning your conference is just so huge. Yeah. Uh, two
0: rushers for Johns Hopkins over 100 yards in the day. One of them was the quarterback in Bay Harve The other one, uh, Spencer Ugly, they had 132 and 129, respectively. So getting it done on the ground a lot, Johns Hopkins, and that's, I guess, not something you usually associate with a late comeback. You think maybe through the air a lot more. They only had one receiver with 40 yards or more, excuse me, and Cole Karate, who had 126 and a TUD. That's that's pretty big time. But this Johns Hopkins team, I think, is still very poised to make some noise this postseason.
2: Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, they're poised for a hell of a season, for sure. Absolutely.
0: Mount Union, though, we've talked a lot about their schedule and how, you know, they're much like North Central, when you're in the regular season and you're inside of your conference play in the OAC. uh, You just don't have a lot of competition. I mean, they're blowing teams out left and right ever since uh, week one, really. And as far as their conference play is concerned, finally they get what we thought was going to be a tough matchup against number 13 team of the country. And John Carroll who put a beat down on Baldwin Wallace who's made some great moves in the, in the uh, out of conference start to the year. We saw them open up with whitewater Mount union left. No doubt dude, did they?
2: No, not at all. had uh, <laughs> yeah, That's crazy. 49-14. Uh, wild. That's just, I mean, I did not expect it to be a 35-point game. I did kind of expect Mount Union to win this game, in all honesty. I mean, I'm sure you probably did as well. Yeah. But, uh, but in this fashion? You know, 35 points is crazy. Like, that's wild. Like, man, but I mean, now it's tough, though, because, like, John Carroll obviously being a really good team, but. Did them at two losses. Now they might be on the outside of the bubble looking in, like kind of similar to Mullenberger, River Falls or something like teams like that. Um for the those first two year losses, head coach, by the way, too,
0: at uh at John Carroll, which for them yeah. to not to say he's like that exactly turned this program around. They've been a pretty uh you know contending program, but you know, you open up and you lose by four against Whitewater, and that's a game that I don't want to say you look at the schedule and you know which games you're going to lose, but you know that Mount Union is going to obviously be an uphill battle in this conference. They've run the OAC for a long time. That mm-hmm. Whitewater game feels like a game that you scheduled that if you can go in there and pull out a win, even if you lose to Mount Union, your playoff bid is locked up.
2: Right? Oh, for sure. It's a super and that's tough a, that was, season opener. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and they battled too. They had they, they could have won that game. Like, and they probably think back, like, wow, I bet you in that locker room after the game, they, they definitely were thinking, we should have had that one. And like yeah. – I look back on their season like that was the game they really should have had, you know. Because obviously the Mount Union game was kind of tough, but you know. Braxton
0: Plunk incredibly efficient every week, twenty nine for thirty five. Dude, he was surgical, two eighty one and three tuds. And then Ruby Wayne uh, continues to just put on a clinic. I think he has just been unstoppable for them on the outside. It's been a lot of the conversation about their squad. The John uh, Carroll though, their offense was actually really proficient in this one. Even though they only put up that amount of points, they they definitely matched Mount Union in a lot of ways. But some costly turnovers and timely possession errors, I think it ended up what cost them, um, among other things. But tough stuff. Yeah. Tough sledding there for the
2: for the blue streaks. Yeah, kind of – I mean, you're going in there like 7-1 or, you know, like now they're – oh, just brutal, dude. Like they're they control their own destiny. Now it's like they need so many other things to happen again to in the playoffs now. Yeah. So, yeah just and that's
0: brutal. not a great feeling. We talked with, uh, I think, with both, you know, Nika and with uh, Jonas today about um, them being able to win and get in. And, like, they don't have to wait for different things to fall into certain places to get into the playoffs. It's got to be a, a really good feeling. But those are most of our game recaps. I know you got one more that you want to talk about, though, Bub.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rose Holman defiance game. Uh, unbelievable. <laughs> uh, 78 to 54. Four. <laughs> That's got to be scoring on me like, or some shit, dude. Like, I mean, I, I'm I'm looking for the scorebooks every week when I'm like picking games to like talk about. Like, I'm like, okay, what's like a cool, like, big matchup or like a ranked versus ranked team? It's like, I see 78 54. I'm like, okay, I have to talk about this game no matter what. Like, 100%. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, even time for possession in this game, kind of an interesting stat being that it was a 24 point difference. Uh, yeah, 30, like, 30 and change to 29 and change. So, obviously, it's kind of a intriguing stat do it being that uh it's such a wide margin of a victory but now uh, both teams have 500 plus yards of offense combining combining for a staggering 1037 yards of nah, offense. a
0: thousand yards is ridiculous a thousand yards is crazy dude, dude that's more than
2: half a mile of offense <laughs> wait no it, wait is it a, yeah, it is, yeah it is it is, yes, it is. <laughs> holy shit it's
4: ridiculous
2: it's it's incredible uh both teams averaged over six yards per play, also. I thought that was a pretty wild stat. Um, and then my personal stat of the day Rose Holman was 76% on third down. Golly. Yeah, that's just bonkers. I mean, I'm just, I'm pretty big, like, like a little stats guy like that. I kind of, yeah. kind of like looking to be like the box over That's thing. massive, dude. Yeah, just wild, wild stuff. And the Grant Reparita probably had a lot to do with that 226 yards on the ground, five oh, touchdowns. Five touchdowns, man, crazy, crazy. But uh, also, you know, on the, on the losing side of this one, we got to tip the cap to Jordan Ambrose, four hundred seven total yards, seven touchdowns for Defiance. So he had a quite a game as well. But I mean, coming up short. I mean, but he's definitely probably feeling pretty good about that game, even though like, they lost. But seven touchdowns is crazy. Four hundred yards absolutely is, yeah, and.
0: For Rolls Holman, too, like this is not a team that, you know, uh whereas I think Defiance has struggled quite a bit this year, right? Uh sitting at um four and five right now. And you know, their offense has been able to put up points. I just think defensively they haven't really been able to put things together as obviously it was put on display last week. Rolls Holman has been on quite the tear. They're seven and two. Uh, right now, dude, coming off that win, they lost their opener yeah. against DePaul and then an out of conference against Albion. But when it comes to the HCAC play, uh, they have been perfect. They're going to close out the year, though, at uh, against Mount St. Joseph, which actually should be a, probably a pretty good challenge for them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That'll be probably a game we talk about here coming up this week and uh, in, the, in the matchups next week. So, absolutely. I and mean, I mean, the winner of this game will win the conference, I believe. Yeah. Uh, based on that. Yep, So
0: absolutely. Um, other big-time scores from around the nation, Cortland taking down Brockport. I know this game, actually, I think a lot of people are picking Brockport to maybe come in and, and play the Usurper and come in defensively, I think especially to slow down Cortland's offense that's been very good this year. Number 16, Cortland holds on 41-17. That was a statement win for those guys. Uh, kind of the same thing with Delaware Valley versus uh, Misericordia, 28-6. to they take care of business. They've done a good job of that just about all year. Alma clinches the MiAA with a win over Adrian. Uh, Muhlenberg with a very tight one that went into uh, double overtime against Franklin and Marshall. But still, I don't know if Muhlenberg will yeah will they make the cut? Will they be an at-large bid? We think probably, maybe. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Like will be right on the cusp.
0: They will. They absolutely will. Uh, Randolph-Macon, we talked about them clinching. Harden-Simmons, they close out. They get their first uh, outright ASC championship in a long time. So they get the yeah. win over there at Austin. And then finally, a really great game that we'd be remiss if we did not talk about at least mention, number 12, Wheaton. They got scared by Washington U, 36-35. The number 12 team in the country comes out of that one. Wheaton's only lost in the year, obviously, being to North Central. They've been playing some really good football. Wash came in and... Like I said, they had to give them a, a probably a, a pretty good scare right there.
2: Yeah, that's a little too close for comfort, I would say.
0: Absolutely. Um, yeah, other than that, though, I mean, St. John's did take care of business against a pretty solid St. Olaf team, and I think that's kind of the, the biggest marks from this week that we didn't get to mention. I don't believe there were too many jumps as far as the – um top teams are concerned and the top rankings obviously river falls dropping down a few pegs is probably one of the bigger moves um from this last part of the rankings to be expected, jumps the spot yeah, yeah a exactly yeah. uh john yeah. carroll also dropping quite a few after their loss but again kind of expected mm-hmm. yeah. 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 yeah nothing uh nothing too crazy though anything else brother i think it's all we, I think all we got
2: oh yeah i think uh think we're all finished up here
0: Sweet, dude. I appreciate you, Jim. Thank you for the great yep. stuff, dude. All
2: right. Take care, Cob.
0: All right. To finish off the episode tonight, we've talked a ton about playoff implications, Division II and Division Three wise um, Not to be left out, the NAIA scene has been ridiculous this week. <laughs> the man breaking it down for us, Mr. Schwarzler himself. What's going on, dude?
4: Dude, not much. It's uh, good to be back after a week hiatus. Oh, yeah. Uh Clearly, we have a lot to talk about here in the NAI. There was a lot of crazy stuff that happened, so I'm just going to go right into it. Uh, First game I'd like to point out, Dort taking on Morningside 23 versus 5. I didn't get to talk to you about this, but on the other uh, NAI show I do, um, I got to be in chat when they were doing it live, and I just was of the thought that, like, hey, you know, Morningside is Morningside. Dort has never beaten this team. Um, Obviously, Dort is... Typically like the second tier, the beginning of the second tier of the G pack, usually yep. just Northwestern morning side uh, Dort for the first time ever beats morning side uh, ever.
0: <laughs> That's a stat dude. That yeah. Is a stat. Um,
4: Dort pulls it off in the last 30 seconds of the game as they drive down the field, running the triple option as they do um, punching it in with 30 seconds left to go up 28, 24. That would end up being the final score. Also, another crazy stat: uh, this is Boarding Side's first multi-loss regular season in at least a decade. And the only reason I don't have an actual number is because their record books on the website do not go back that far. That's hilarious! Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, um, it is. That's such a why is such a
0: flex like, though? Like that's a huge flex. No, yeah,
4: yeah, totally. <laughs> It's it's just crazy that, like, that's the rarefied error that we're talking about happening last yes. week in this game. Um, and obviously, these are both Iowa schools. Northwestern and Dort are uh, rivals more so, but, like, these teams don't like each other. Dort's always been trying to claw up at that first tier, and they they did it. They got it done. Um, triple option, obviously, the main offense they run. But their defense, they forced Morty State's quarterback to throw three receptions, which – the last time – it might have been even longer than the last time they lost uh, multiple regular season games that a Morningside quarterback has thrown more than, like, one interception. Um, Just truly baffling stuff over there in Iowa. <laughs> truly
0: <It's really> baffling
4: <laughs> stuff. I... And I'm looking at uh, a tweet that
0: I remember seeing here from the NAI football from VSN, and he had said, here Morningside had won 78 straight Great Plains Athletic Conference games, and they've now lost two in a row. Yep. Like that just sums it all up. Like all those stats (laughs) that you put it together, like, and I guess the question for you and maybe for the people who who look at this, like, is this cause for panic or is this just something that was inevitable and it was going to happen? So it may as well just happen now.
4: I would say it was a bit inevitable. Uh, People knew that Morningside roster wise is taking a step back. Obviously five time. uh, I don't know if he's a five time all American, but like really good fifth year senior Joe Dolan check multiple time NAIA player of the year. Um, when a guy like that departs your program, like it's hard to pick up a piece right away. That's going to fill the niche that Joe did. Yeah. Um, and we're seeing it. I mean, we're seeing Morningside tried out two quarterbacks out there, both with very different skill sets um, and it's been working, but I, I don't want to say I saw this coming cause I really didn't. But like, God. if there was a year that this was going to happen, this was going to be the year. This is the most visible step back that Morningside has taken in the better part of a decade uh this is really where they've been at their weakest and they're still a top 10 team which is just crazy
0: yeah absolutely and they're still their record uh you know still holds some really quality wins outside of even their conference we talk about their opener against Benedictine, who was a top yep. 10 team at the time we've seen what they've been able to to go on and do now that was a very close margin win but a win is just that it's a win so the fact they've been able to even like you said, when they take a step back with their roster, maybe they don't have the same level of talent. They're able to maintain their, their level and their style of play, I think, bodes well for the future. And again, it's not like this team is going to just fall off the tracks and evaporate.
4: <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's still very much a path for them to win the conference, and they'll probably still get a playoff spot either way. So, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, that too, and that's where it's interesting. Where like we talk, we've talked a lot about the D two playoff scene, and then D three, mm-hmm. and now to talk about the NAI. And I guess, um, admittedly, I don't know how the NAI playoff scene works. I'm very familiar with the Division two and D three side of things, which are very different from one another. You know, in Division mm-hmm. three, because you have all these automatic bids, all of a sudden the picture is so crowded. Whereas uh, in D two, with the regional rankings that go through, you're going to have two, and sometimes some quality three loss teams that will sneak into the twenty eight game kind of picture. Uh, D three. Not at all. Uh, You got one or two losses and immediately you're on the outside looking in. But I guess for people maybe like myself who aren't as familiar, give us give us a quick breakdown.
4: Yeah. So they actually are implementing something new. Usually it's a 16 team playoff. Obviously, Uh, all the conference winners, 12 conference winners get automatic bids. This year they went to 20, which is something that we have not seen before in the NAIA. Very interesting system. Obviously, 12 conference winners get in no matter what eight at-large bids and then the at-large teams play each other so it's kind of like a play-in almost to a 16-team playoff it's it's very bizarre Um, so like a
0: first round where only those eight teams will play yes so yeah it definitely is a play-in then i think by definition
4: yeah uh pretty much they're they're expanding the at-large field yeah it's it's really interesting because now obviously a team like Morningside, after losing to Dort, they're third in the conference right now. Because yes. them and Dort have the same conference record and had, had they have a loss. So they are third in the G Pack, which I don't know. But again, we're talking numbers. I don't know how many eons it's been since they <laughs>
0: yes.
4: but in that position. Um, but now you're looking at a weird scenario, and we'll get into it when I talk about next week's games. But like there are teams that could cause chaos just by like, you know, what if. Dort loses, and then Morningside wins, and then Morningside gets in, but then they lose the conference to Northwestern again, and then they have three losses. Like, you're going to see a lot of these weird three-loss bubble teams that usually would be, like, this would hurt them a lot more. Like, those teams will creep in, and I'm curious to see what conferences are going to be favored in all of this um obviously you look at all the advanced analytics and stuff and like the stronger conferences like the frontier of the Pack, could definitely benefit but that's what like, seems
0: like to me for sure like yeah. those strong conferences that's that would be a big time for them because you look at a team like morningside like you said not only do you have the strength of schedule within your conference in the G Pack, then you go out and schedule a top-notch home opener out of conference and now it feels like if i think it's a good thing you're being rewarded for going out and trying to make those aggressive yes. scheduling moves
4: Exactly. And there's a team, St. Thomas, that I haven't had the chance to talk a lot about this year, but they pretty much did that. They ran the gauntlet. They played Texas Wesleyan. They played Carroll or some other, like, top 15 team. And then, like, a D2 squad. It was the craziest, okay. like, <laughs> pre-conference yeah. schedule I've ever seen. And they have three losses now because of it, but, like, they are still a really quality team. So, like, where do where do they fit in all this, you know? It's... Uh... <sighs> Crazy. I know. I don't want to get into bracketology too much. It's going to make my mind explode. So I'm just yeah, going to talk about, yeah.
0: uh, when I had Jimmy on him and I had, had talked about like, it'd be fun to do a bracket challenge through D one R of like having people submit brackets and then having a prize at the end, you know, a little, yeah. Yeah. Uh, November madness, if you will. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't you know. Um, but I think, I think it would be fun to, to incorporate something like that because it's just so like at some points, so unpredictable. And then at some points, you know, maybe not so much. Maybe we do know what's what's going to go on. But as far as this, the, the kind of the expansion, semi-expansion, if you will, it feels almost a, a way to reward those teams who are playing in the strong conferences, who schedule those aggressive out-of-conference matchups, while also maybe maintaining that integrity of the initial pool size because you're not mm-hmm. actually adding to the pool. It feels like kind of a balance and maybe something that where uh, they could have been split on a decision.
4: Yeah, totally. That's just an outsider. Um, I, don't,
0: I have no idea. But
4: Yeah. I mean, it's something that we haven't really seen at this level. Cause even if it's a 20 team bracket in most sports, like there's a few top seeds, but the way that they're structuring it with a play and I, I honestly really like it. Like we talked about, it's going to, it's going to favor those teams that go out of their way to challenge themselves. And I think that's good. Um, especially with these extra playoff spots, a game like Indiana Wesleyan versus Marion, uh, obviously three versus four, uh, doesn't have as much weight, but it kind of does because this is, uh really important for seeding because both these teams are pretty much locks to get into the playoff at this point. Mm -hmm. They're very deserving of their three and four rankings, but Iowa Iowa Wesleyan, goodness gracious, dude, that school does not exist anymore. (laughs) Indiana Wesleyan, sorry. Um, (laughs) Edges, Marion, 42 to 40, a huge rivalry win, huge conference win for uh, Indiana Wesleyan. And this was kind of, kind of an air show. Both quarterbacks played really well. Um, Xander Stokes and Zach Bundelow for both these teams are fantastic. They both accounted for three touchdowns, like between the two, of, like they each scored three. It was very impressive. Yeah. Um, what's going to get it done for Indiana Wesleyan, though, is a 53% conversion rate on third down. Massive. Um, and that's just going to do it for you. Marion's defense still showed up, the same dominant defense we saw against uh, CUAA not too long ago. Um, forced three turnovers on the first three drives of the game. That is crazy.
0: Well, we saw their defensive secondary and the crazy numbers they've put up in the last yeah. couple of weeks. Um, those are video game numbers and certainly cannot be expected to be consistent week by week. But the thing for me is uh, it was Dwight Lewis and Danny Lewis, the two that had combined for all those interceptions. It was a different guy that got it done. And Jay Sean Andrew under, excuse me, um, who pulled out the pick in this one. So it feels like they make plays across the board that defense, um, even though you let up 40 odd points uh, still out there making plays, keeping them in the game.
4: Yeah. And especially in games like this, like both these offenses are so high powered and talented, Um, to be able to come up in situations and still be able to make plays. Like I know Marion didn't win, but it's a good sign when your defense is still fighting and like they have that playmaking ability. It's just the talent they have on their roster. It's, it's crazy. They're really good. Um,
3: really good football team. Yeah, really good.
4: Yeah. They, I mean, both these teams are, I, obviously it's pretty much a coin flip game in these situations. Um, but yeah, I just can't say anything bad about either team in this game besides Indiana Wesley just scored more points. <laughs> that's
0: eight. <And> Sometimes <laughs> that's, that's all that's it, it is. Yeah. Sometimes that's all it is. And to me, <laughs> looking at the schedule here too, it for Indiana Wesley, and obviously, you know, the emotions and the tensions ride high for a, a top five matchup like this, but then when you look forward and you're like, okay, we'll say the coin did flip the other way, and it lands on tails instead of heads, and Marion edges them by two. Now you're an Indiana Wesleyan team in this hypothetical world that I'm living in for the next 30 seconds that <laughs> you're playing at Concordia the next week, and all of a sudden, what does that dynamic look like? Even with the playoff semi-expansion that we talked about, we're looking at a very different Wildcat team, but uh, thankfully for, for I-Dub over there, they're not going to have to worry about that.
4: Yeah, certainly not. They, they've set themselves up to be... A top four seed in the playoffs so they're set uh the frontier i feel like we talk in depth about this conference every week oh yeah uh more no more conference cannibalism happening with <laughs> 13th ranked montana western uh beating 12th ranked carol pretty much outright this was a dominant showing from montana western very impressive stuff uh michael palandry with five total touchdowns on the day uh, four through the air, one on the ground, and 388 yards for the air is in- incredibly impressive, um, especially with a Montana Western team that we have seen in the past sometimes struggle to get the offense going. Um, okay, obviously, like last year's team is a different team than this year's team. That's obviously true, but we've seen we've seen these problems sometimes come up for Montana Western, and that just like it all clicked for them today. And defensively, forcing uh, Perka of Carroll, who's Really good, really solid, pretty consistent. Throw four interceptions, I mean, that's going to do it. That's ridiculous,
0: dude. I think that's yeah. what it comes to. I mean, we covered some big-time upsets in D2 football with Missouri Western taking down Pitt State, and then with McKendree taking down a previously unbeaten UND team. The common mm-hmm. factor in all these, not to say this was a, a big upset like those two, but the common factor in all of them, the turnover ratio typically through the air as well. But I think an interesting note on this one for me is you talk about this Carroll squad, when we mention the strength of schedule and going out to uh, get these high-caliber wins, this is – probably the best two loss and eh, one of the best two loss teams in the country we Morningside is definitely uh, yeah. <laughs> up there as well but to Montana Western then we talked about at length about that College of Idaho game a couple weeks ago you mm-hmm. already have two top 20 wins on the season against Montana Tech and St. Thomas um, who you had just previously mentioned who they'll get a rematch up against uh, Tech this next week uh, it looks Ooh. like at least inside of conference play so they must have one out of conference and now Within the frontier, which is the GLIAC did that a few years ago. That's a weird dynamic. I I don't. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But now you look at this team and this is a two loss team, which by all means in the typical setup would not make it into that bracket. Now, assuming they take care of business next week, should have a great chance to at least be a part of the dance.
4: Yeah, for sure. And I just, again, the frontier, we always come back to it, but you can never predict what's going to happen. I <laughs> am um, just really impressed with this Montana Western team. I really am. I had question marks about them going into the season um, just with, you know, the guys that they were going to be able to put out there and get it done. And they, they figured it out. They clearly have. And I'm very happy for them. Very happy for these guys, you know, hey, hell a hell of a logo by the
0: way, for that Montana oh, Western yeah. squad. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Let me see if I can pull that up. Yeah, that can, people can see it at least. A little, like, an interesting take on the bull. There's a straight red on the dog. Mm-hmm. I love that, dude. I think that's sick. Dog.
4: Yeah, it's uh, it's good branding. We can always appreciate good branding. I so. love that,
0: dude. No, that's that's huge. And like I said, I, I think the playoff, because I did read a little bit about that before you had, you had come on here. I think the playoff kind of structure, the, switching that up is is only going to benefit the game, at least in my opinion.
4: Yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm excited to see it implemented, so I... <laughs> I don't know. There's so much football left to be played, though. Um, but that's before great. I before I mention those, I think I should mention some other results. Obviously, not as in depth, but Ottawa Kansas beat Kansas Wesleyan, yep. uh, twenty-seven to twenty-four, huge upset there. Ottawa pretty much locking up their side of the division over right. Kansas Wesleyan, which is rarefied air for no, Ottawa. That's the KCAC, correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, really, I can't believe I'm saying that. That Ottawa, <laughs> like that's so weird. That's so weird. This is. Obviously, Ottawa, Kansas, fantastic flag football team. Uh, they're one of the <laughs> pioneers of women's flag football. Won the national championship a couple of years in a row. Oh yeah, dude, their their women's team is insane. Sick. Um, men's team, not 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 so much in that boat. That could be uh, a fun.
0: That could be a fun guest for the show. I didn't realize that was a large presence. That would be a, a, a fun oh, yeah. guest and something to incorporate maybe into the show in the future. That'd be sweet.
4: Yeah. The NAI actually partners with the NFL. I'm pretty sure to do their flag football league. It's pretty cool. They play the championship game in, uh, Atlanta. Okay. Uh, Mercedes Benz. Yeah. yeah.
0: Mercedes Benz. Yeah. That's badass. I did not know that I might have to, that'd be like a great off season piece to to do some stuff on that. Okay. Sweet. Thank you for, thank you for letting
4: me know. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Gotta, gotta, gotta put you on man. Oh, okay. Uh, football, (laughs) other football. Um, St. Francis, Indiana, beats Concordia and Arbor. Uh, this squad is slipping a bit. Yes. It's kind of sad to see, but at the end of the day, uh, USF just wins the third and fourth down battle straight up. It was like 70% to 35%, <sighs> something like that. Um, yeah, Concordia continues to slip. I was so high on this team. I've been so excited to see this team rebound, and they just haven't to the extent that I would have hoped for. Um, but again, they're still on the outside looking in, that's the crazy part about all this. So, um, there's still shot from there's still path for them, but they, they have a lot to go. They need a lot to go their way. I'm yep. um, an ev- an evangel too. uh, a team that's pretty much a lock to get in at this point, 10 and 0 on the season after beating Southwestern college another team who we've seen take a big slip this year. They yep. were, uh, just a month ago, pretty much had this, uh, their division locked up dead to rights and they just have fallen off the face of the earth, the wagon, uh, the wheels <laughs> have fallen off fully. So, um, yeah, close win for evangel 17 to 14, but they get it done. So lots of, lots of good, like important football was played this weekend, which is always fun to see.
0: I love that. And it's only going to get, you know, as we obviously go these next couple of weeks, it's only going to get bigger and bigger. And, uh, mm-hmm. it's nice, at least for us, cause then you're not trying to cast this wide net. And just yep. try and get everything. Um, your scope gets more and more, increasingly more narrow, and then we can hopefully provide even some more in-depth uh, other conversation and other things. So I'm excited. I'm excited for that because personally, that's what I really enjoy getting into the nitty gritty of stuff. But at the same time, mm-hmm. you have this weird tightrope of of giving everyone the representation and trying to you know use the platform that way. Um, yeah. But selfishly, I loved being able to dive into like four games and just like let me just. Get out the tape, watch this stuff, and and just come on here and spew nonsense for a couple hours.
4: Yeah, yeah, it's a blast, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but we have a we have a poll to look at too. Um, yes, new top twenty five poll in the NAI uh, dropped the other day. Morningside obviously falling to twelfth because they lost, but Dort has not passed them don't know how that works but okay yeah we'll go yeah. with it. it moves up to 17 just still pretty generously move up five or six spots from that win big one um but besides that obviously we see southwestern southwestern excuse me and concordia drop out um and friends louisiana christian jump back in this is pretty expected montana western moves up a couple spots carol drops a few spots um it's just kind of how it goes it's, it
0: feels like these are pretty locked uh, pretty locked yeah. uh, over there yeah yeah
4: yeah. So, um, obviously that those like 20 to 25 spots are always going to be changing, but as we get closer to the playoff and these important games are played and decisions are made, like it's going to clear itself out. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. And I think it's actually fun to have a little bit of parody towards the end of the year because, um, you know, typically you don't see that. I think the first couple of weeks, I think are usually pretty exciting. Cause you start with a lot of those non-conference matchups, um, yeah. you go through a little bit of a stretch and then where it's, you know the the dogs of the conference usually end up showing why they're the dogs of the conference at the end of the year. You might have a couple of really nice marquee matchups, and obviously with the playoffs ramping up, everything feels a little bit larger. But talk about some of the games that uh, we need to know about for this upcoming
4: weekend. Yeah, so I get to to brag about my alma mater, uh, Dakota Wesley, in a bit more. Obviously, they played Northwestern last week and hung in there for a bit, but Northwestern's really good, so they still ended up losing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but can really cause some chaos in the G Pack. They played Dort. Uh, for the last game of the regular season for them, I believe. Um, yep. Yeah, it's, it's crazy because if Dakota Wesleyan wins, Dort's in a situation where they have three losses, you know? So if Morningside loses the third game in a row, Dort would get into the conference championship. But Morningside, yes. if they win, they move up back into the conference championship game and could potentially play Northwestern and lose again and have three losses. So you have two G Pack teams. <laughs> With three losses, like, on the bubble for the playoff, and I yeah. think that would just be – like, Morningside could be in a situation where, like, they don't make the playoff, which is unreal to even think could happen. And Especially,
0: like, yeah, like, thinking about what's coming into <laughs> the year and the history and everything that we've mentioned up until this point, for sure.
4: Yeah, Um, but a lot of things have to go a certain way. It would definitely start with uh, Dakota Wesleyan beating Dort, though. Yeah, we'll see. That'll be the first Um,
0: like you've seen like the domino meme of like the little one, and it comes to like a skyscraper. Yeah, D Dub (laughs) is the first
4: one. Not first
0: one. (laughs) I don't know what the last one is yet, but we won't know until the first one goes, and then it just starts to roll.
4: The last one is like Northwestern joins the big 10 <laughs> yes. something like that. You know, the real Northwestern <laughs> Hey, a
0: month ago, dude, a month ago, I would have said so. And like we've talked about um, like Grand Valley as a team that's been trying to make the jump to like FBS for a while. Did you yeah. know the change they did in the, in the fee of making the jump to the FBS? No. So up until about a month ago to go to FBS, it was $5,000 along with a, <laughs> Along with the whole list of, like, obviously facilities and, um, uh, you know, school size and funding and all the other things that go into it. Um, But the actual literal fee of jumping to FBS was $5,000. They made a change. It is now $5 million. They added some zeros (laughs) on the end of it, on the back end. Um, (laughs) And I don't know... If it's because you have teams like uh James Madison that come in and just disrupt everything and now people are pissed off. I, I don't know what the reasoning is if they're trying to slow teams down or they just want to make some more money because of the NCA. But like what a what a time to be uh to be a college football team, man.
4: Yeah. Um and I don't know how much people know about NAIA schools. They don't have it like that. They cannot uh, no. afford that. Most don't. <laughs> <laughs> the only one that maybe could is indiana wesley and even then it's probably like a stretch like They've a, got a long nice little stretch. setup down there oh, now, they granted, do it is
0: in the middle of nowhere i mean that's so literally <laughs> there's nothing going around on that campus the campus itself very nice the football stadium one of the best that i've had the pleasure of being at especially on the small college football side I, mm-hmm. I think took an official visit down there i mean they they do it right like they got a set up yeah. tell there's a little bit of money that's gone into that bad boy
4: yeah. I don't know if $5 million is coming out of somebody's no. pocket though. No <laughs> that's, <way. laughs> that's for sure. Um, oh. <sighs> Speaking of, <laughs> now that we're talking about Indiana Wesleyan, they play a uh, Concordia, Michigan. Yes. You go. know, Uh big mid, um, MSFA game, um, obviously Concordia on a bit of a slip, but you get a chance to play uh, a top three team in the country at your place. You are you have enough talent to get it done. Like, this is a game you need to get up for if you're Concordia, especially because this is your playoff life pretty much on the line here. Oh, yeah. So.
0: Yeah, I don't think, that, I don't think they'll be lacking any fuel for this one. This is a kind of win where um, I'm sure they had it marked at the beginning of the season. They've got it marked. Now, this is a statement win for a program that, like you said, maybe has taken a little bit of a slip. They're trying to show people that, uh, show people like us that we're, we're just full of it on here, you know?
4: Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, if we... If we weren't full of it, we would be doing bigger and better things, you know. So uh, <laughs> yes. That's, yes. that's why we're that's why we're here talking about NAI AI football. Hell yeah! Hell yeah. <laughs> um, but there's so much good AI football to be played, like Bethel Tennessee versus Lindsey Wilson the Mid South. I mean, wow this is this is another one of the big the big three in the Mid South because obviously Georgetown is the other team at the top there. Uh, huge implications here. I don't want to say playoff spot in the line. I think uh, Bethel, Lindsay Wilson, and Georgetown will all get into the playoff. Okay. But, I mean, losing doesn't help you at all, obviously. <laughs> so seating are...
0: yeah, wise especially. you know,
4: <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a chance that the loser of this game could get screwed. So, big one there, big rivalry one there. Um, again, it just, yeah, just meets more there in the Mid-South. That's what they say, right? Yeah, um, right. I hear. So that, that, so. Might that might be a
0: different there might be a different
4: conference <laughs> no no but... no no it has self in the name i'm thinking of the right one probably. yeah right um uh benedicton takes on mid America nazarene uh this is a big game for the heart of america conference obviously these teams um mid-american nazarene has had some more issues this year Benedictine after their loss to boarding excited it pretty much rolled uh they've yep. been doing they've been having a really good run and even then the morning State game was super competitive so can't hold it against them Really, if they want to just separate themselves from the pack, probably creep into that top 10 before the playoff, this is the game to do it. Made America Nazarene, obviously, outside, outside shot to get in the playoff. But uh, they have the pieces on offense to get it done. This is a very explosive team.
0: Yeah, we've had a trying to think. No, that was – I'm totally off, Mark. I was going to say we had a couple <laughs> of them featured on one of our weekly awards, but I'm – I don't know how I got them confused. I was thinking Cumberland's, and I was way oh. off. Yeah, that was uh, – they have the same no. colors. I could. I That's could see what. That. That. That's probably
4: all it yeah. was. My brain jumped yeah. at that,
0: and then it was like, no, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but yeah, then finally, you're the talk about uh, Texas Wesleyan, and LCU. you.
4: Yeah, Texas Wesleyan, LCU in the Sooner. This is a big game. Uh, Texas Wesleyan pretty much separating themselves from the rest of the Sooner at this point, besides maybe uh, Ottawa, Arizona. Yep. Um, but even then, uh, LCU, if they want to creep back in the playoff picture, they, they have to win this one. Obviously, have put together a very strong campaign this year, but last couple you feel like you should have back. So this is, this is a big one for them.
0: 100%, dude. Like I said, it's only going to get better. These next couple Mm -hmm. weeks are going to be a lot of fun, um, providing hopefully some more, like I said, more in-depth coverage on all these guys, seeing how the play-in works out, how this uh, semi-expansion, if we can call it, to the playoff picture and what kind of implications that has for a lot of these teams that we just covered today. Because at the end of the day, there will still be snubs. There still will be teams that believe they deserved a shot uh, and didn't get that shot, but uh, we're sure taught about it. So thanks, Matt. I appreciate (laughs) you, dude. It was great. Yeah.
4: Of course. See you, Kobe.
0: Have a good night, man.